Amen. Throughout this week, it has been assigned to for us area week and also to celebrate the farewell of our area head. And I would like to know, with the exception of our mother women's director and area deacon, I would like to know all those who came. If you came any of the days, please lift your hands up. Those who came, sad. Just for those of you who are not here throughout the week, tell your brother or sister you have not done as good at all. Yes, they sent representatives from the area to come and observe what is going on here, and it's very sad. I felt more sad and sad and sad and sad. I didn't know how to express it. But then your colleagues came for the blessings, and as Jesus told Martha, what Mary has gotten, nobody can take from his hands. So, those of us who came, I believe we've received something. My father, Apostle Jimmy Markin, has been telling us all the time that any time spent in the presence of God brings some level of upliftment. And I believe in that statement that whatever the gathering it seems is the church and is the house of the Lord, there is an upliftment somehow. Hallelujah. So please don't neglect coming to the house of the Lord. And this morning, I wanted to continue with the series that because of the area's theme, I think it's also falls in line. That is building the church with your alabaster sacrifice. If you want to be fruitful, there is the need to sacrifice. Your first sacrifice your whole being to God and also your substance. And we want to read, you can write these quotations down. Matthew chapter 26, verse 6 to 13. Matthew 26, 6 to 13, and Mark, the book of Mark, chapter 14, verse 3 to 9. Luke, chapter 7, 36 to 50. And also, okay, Luke, chapter 7, verse 36 to 50. And John chapter 12, verse 1 to 8. John chapter 12, verse 1 to 8. And please, I would like us to read the Matthew chapter 26, verse 6 to 13. So please project it to us. Let's all read. Now, when Jesus came back to Bethany and was in the house of Simon the leper, 
Let's go on. A woman came up to him with an alabaster flask of very precious perfume and she poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. And when the disciples saw it, they were indignant, saying, What purpose is all this waste? For this perfume might have been sold for a large sum and the money given to the poor. But Jesus, fully aware of this, said to them, Why do you bother the woman? She has done a noble. Okay, let's go on. For you always have the poor among you, but you will not always have been. In pouring this perfume on my body, she has done something to prepare me for my burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever this good news is preached in the whole world, what this woman has done will be told also in memory of her. Let's go. Then one of the twelve who was called Judas Iscariot went to the chief priests. Let's end it there. Hallelujah. This is given a gist of an account about a woman who won the heart of Jesus. And if you read the Bible carefully, in Matthew, Mark, John, and then Luke, they all give an account of this woman who anointed Jesus. To the best of my knowledge, that is the first and the last ointment that Jesus received when he came to, to earth. And I believe strongly this woman was giving Jesus the Davidic anointing as the king that God promised the people of Israel to come from the root of David. David was anointed with oil and was established as a king. But then when he came, he only announced that the anointing of the Lord is on me, which anoint, that anointing was coming from God himself. He carries that anointing. But nobody in the physical sense anointed him. The first person who anointed Jesus was this very woman. And if you read carefully, the Bible made it understand. If you read the versions, it made us to understand that this woman was Mary, the sister of Martha and Lazarus. And it suggests to us the reason why this woman was moved to do what she did. This was a time that Jesus is about to be crucified. He has left six, weeks, six days to go. 
And Jesus have to visit uh, Simon the leper. Simon the leper, some theologians have said that is the husband of Martha. Others also say that is the father-in-law. So whatever it is, all we know is Simon the leper. If you read the book of Luke, it also gave another version about this Simon, describing Simon as a Pharisee. If you read the verse 36, is that one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. It's also given another aspect of Simon as somebody who was a Pharisee. Somebody who have repented or uh, changed his religion, sort of, to follow Christ Jesus. But he was a leper. In the books of the Hebrews or the Jews, a leprosy is something that is not attractive at all. And even now, if we should see somebody with leprosy, we will not allow the person to uh, associate himself with us because it is very infectious. And such people are put behind the wall. So for Jesus and the cloud to come to Jesus, to uh, Simon's house to dine with him, means that Simon was somebody who has been cleansed by Jesus from this communicable disease, leprosy. So he invited Jesus home to dine with him. And in the process, because it's the festivity time, the time when they were going to celebrate the Passover, a lot of people from all walks of life came to Bethany for the celebration of this great festivity. And whilst in the house, here comes Mary. Mary just came in and did something which was supposed to have been done long ago. But the Pharisees had another version about this woman. If you read the Luke, it gave an account that whilst this woman was giving his uh, heartfelt offering and sacrifice, the Pharisees were describing this woman as a sinner and was telling Jesus that if, ah, we, we, we thought Jesus should have known that this woman was a harlot. Mary was the very person who sat at the feet of Jesus when Martha was busy preparing food. So it means that Mary was no longer a harlot, also somebody who has been transformed by his, her association with, Lord, uh, with the Lord Jesus. But in the midst of the Pharisee, they still reminded her past, her of her past. I'm here to tell you that if you want your past to continue lingering with you, then associate yourself with the Pharisee. Hello? 
if you still want to be reminded of your past, then befriend a Pharisee. And they will show you big time how to still hook to your past. A Pharisee will always be in the duty of condemning you. He will always want to do what? To pull you down. A Pharisee will not have any good description about you than things to discourage you. And I'm here to inform you that if you have a friend who always reminds you of your past, not of the positive sense, but in a negative sense, know that you are up to a very big challenge. Associate yourself with the right people who can lift your spirit up. Hello? Associate yourself with the right kind of people who can lift your spirit up. People who can encourage you. People who can help you do what is right and just. If you associate yourself with a Pharisee, you are doomed. You always be in the state of condemnation. This woman was having a good heart, a good mind to do something that is very urgent and very, very crucial in the life of Jesus. Yet, these Pharisees were describing her as a sinner. Though Jesus, we thought you were a prophet. You should have known the person who is anointing your head. You should have known that this woman in this whole town, we know her to be a harlot. We know her to be somebody who changed men. We know her to be somebody who is, I mean, the life is very bad. If you were a prophet, you should have seen. Ah, we thought you were a seer. You should have seen that this woman doesn't want it to anoint you. It takes holy people to anoint holy men. But I'm here to tell you, in the life of Jesus, he allowed somebody whose past was cleansed, though a harlot and a sinner, to anoint him. Hallelujah. He allowed him to be anointed. Praise the Lord. He's teaching, so that is how we the teachers talk. Amen. So they were trying to remind her of her past. But she didn't allow. And if you read the 13, verse 27, when a certain immoral woman, look at the description, very sad. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar full with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. What a love. Hallelujah. Though she was an immoral woman, that is a description. Condemned to Grebu. 
If you are here and you have been condemned even by your parents or friends or relatives, tell you, I'm here to tell you, Jesus will never condemn you. Just as you are, he's ready to accept you. And whenever you meet him, he's prepared to transform you. Though they were righteous, but they were blind to the one that they were dining with. This woman understood the time and the season and knew that it was time for the kingdom that was promised to the people of Israel to be established. And that kingdom requires a king. Somebody say a king. And that king should be anointed. The Pharisees and the priests who were there who supposedly know the law, they know the scriptures, though the kingdom have come, and the king is sitting right before them, but they couldn't notice. But this woman who was described immoral realized that Jesus is a king. He's not an ordinary person. I must do something. Hallelujah. If you really meet with a king, you will do something. Hallelujah. If you really meet with a king, you will definitely do something in honor of the king. There was a sense of significance about this happening. I've already said that the establishment of the kingdom and his anointing was in preparation of his triumphant entry into Jerusalem and the aftermath of his crucifixion on the cross. It is very, very significant. Jesus requires somebody who can anoint him to be able to face the challenge ahead. And if you read further, you see that Jesus made mention of some things. He said, I, I came to this house, nobody washed my feet, nobody anointed my, me with oil. But this woman has really anointed me for my what? Burial. He was, she was anointing Jesus for his burial. Strange. Anointing Jesus for his burial. May you anoint somebody today. Not for death, but anoint somebody to live. <laughs> Hallelujah. Mary was also found sitting with Jesus at the feet of Jesus. And I believe that he was gazing at the face of Jesus. You know, I believe that is a spiritual instinct that he, she, she got about the master. That the way I see and look at the face of my master is like he is sad. He's about facing something. She was looking, gazing into her face, his face. And he was recounting all the good things that he, she had from him. He could remember of the repentance that he has gotten from 
this Lord and Master Jesus Christ. And looking at the troubles that were surrounding her, him, he decided to do all these things. He could recount that he was the one who brought healing to Simon. He could also recount that he was the one who resurrected his brother Lazarus. So she's somebody that I can say that she has a memory. Sadly enough, there are a lot of people who lack memory. They have gotten good things from people, but they tend to forget them. But this woman never would lack memory. She remembered all the good things that Jesus did. And lo and behold, she decided to give something that is very precious. Today, may you remember the goodness of God in your life and decide to do something great to God. If at the very moment a Christian will cease remembering the goodness of God, he will cease living right. Hello? He will cease doing the needful. But if always you have a memory that once upon a time you were a weed smoker like me, that the grace of God really got hold of you and transformed you to become what you are, you will always be in the habit of what? Sacrificing all that you have. Let's look at what the woman did. The Bible said that she went in and took an alabaster what? Jar. Some say bottle. And according to uh, research, that alabaster bottle is not just an ordinary thing. It's something that they cherish. It's something that they use to preserve things for a long period of time. So it's an expensive thing. And in addition, there was an expensive perfume in it. When he poured, as he kept on pouring this unction or this oil on Jesus, he kept weeping and using the tears to cleanse the feet of Jesus. What amount of water do you need to clean your feet? Sometimes, if you are very economical, then you can use at least one bowl. But if you are not economical, then you can go the ocean type. Hello? But this woman kept weeping and was cleaning the dirty, the dirt at Jesus' feet. It's part of their culture. It means that you have been accepted. So this woman was the only one, though Simon who invited Jesus accepted him. The one who accepted Jesus by the rules and traditions of the Jews was Mary. And she decided to do it the other way, by using her tears. And instead of using towel, she used her hair. It means that she valued Jesus than her glory. She valued Jesus than her very being. He, she valued Jesus than 
even her prestige or whatever she has gotten on earth. Hallelujah. If you value Jesus Christ in your life, before the presence of him, you see yourself to be nothing without him. It means that this woman is in the state, have now come to the point that Jesus, without you, my beauty, my glory, my strength, and all that I have is meaningless. It's time that we Christians have to come to that level. That we have to come to Jesus. Anytime we come before God, we must see ourselves that we are nothing without him. We are nothing without Jesus Christ. Without Jesus, our life would not be worth living. Mary saw that his life, her life and everything is without Jesus. So she decided to lay prostrate before Jesus, surrendering all that she has to sacrifice unto the master and his Lord. I pray that we'll all come to this point where we'll all lay before Jesus our wealth and all that we have, our strength. There are a lot of Christians, they, they love to be Christians, but when it comes to sacrifice, they don't. They find it difficult to sacrifice their body unto God. The Bible says that we should set apart our body to God as a living sacrifice, which is what? Acceptable unto God. And the Bible describes is that this is a sacrifice with what? A meaning. So the first thing that God required of us is we have to sacrifice our bodies as Mary did. And I pray that somebody here will sacrifice the body. Sacrifice your body to Christ Jesus. And secondly, she sacrificed her substance. She sacrificed her substance. And if you listen carefully or you read carefully, in the other versions, the response of Judas Iscariot, it tells you the worth of what she sacrificed. It said that these can be equated to a yearly wages. A yearly wages. So if, uh, to put it better, your monthly salary, how much is your salary? Multiply it by a year. To some of you, your salary, just a month or six months, is enough to put up a house. <laughs> you don't believe it. I know of a young guy at uh, <laughs> Sakubono PI. We were interviewing him for ministry, and the salary he made, shame. Wow. I was shocked that in this country, people are receiving such an amount as salary for a month. So there's no doubt that we may have somebody that way. He said what? A daily wages. 
And in their history, a daily wages is the denarii they be using. And it's enough to feed you and feed your family. So multiply this by 30, uh, 366 days if leap year is included. Right? And see the volume of money. Then you know the sacrifice that this woman gave. She was prepared to what? Anoint Jesus with his oil. It wasn't a small sacrifice. It was as a recognition of how she wished to express her love to Jesus and his faith in Christ Jesus. If you have faith in Christ Jesus and you love him, you don't hesitate to do things that is beyond people's imagination. And until we come to that point, then our faith in him is questionable. It shows how she also cared for the Lord. It shows how she's prepared to obey whatever instruction that she has gotten from the Holy Spirit. Nobody compelled her to do it. But she felt it, that this is needful. This is what I must do to my Lord and Master who is about to die for my sins. So, she cared. Though she didn't have any official position, but I believe in the life of Jesus, she was the high priest. May you be the high priest in the life of the master. And indeed you are. Because Peter says that we are chosen generation, a holy nation, and a royal priesthood. We've been called, I've said it here before, we've been called as a priest and a king. So as a priest, you must know what to sacrifice. And you must sacrifice your all. Somebody say your all. You have to sacrifice your all. And I believe that this may be one of the uh, great investments that this woman may be having. But she's prepared to sacrifice it. But Judas Iscariot said, ah, but we can sell this and then use it to help the poor. If you read other versions, John, the Bible says that she said this because she said, he, <laughs> Judas is a thief. You know, those who are very smart are smart at calculations. To some of us who are not all that smart, we don't know how to put things together and, you know, before the budget is read, she, the person has already read meaning into it and has calculated his percentage. <laughs> God have mercy on us. So the very much Judas cannot hear that, hey, this money, this is what I, uh, this woman, the value of the thing, then say, ah, but this thing could have used it, sell it, get the money and take care of the... <laughs> 
And Jesus says, not because he cares for the poor. He didn't care for the poor. He's a thief. He wants something to steal. Apparently, he's the one who takes care of what? The bank. You know, the coffers of Jesus is in the head of Jesus. So he has calculated and said, oh, the money is getting short. I won't have enough to steal. So let me play some tricks. Perchance, I may have this thing sell. Then I can get my percentage. God have mercy. If you are at your workplace, be careful how you calculate some percentages. As one day, it will hook your neck. <laughs> oh, Jesus. And Jesus said, this poor will always be with you. I will not be with you forever. A time will come. And I mean, even I'm about exiting from this world. But the poor will always be with you. In the church, we may have a lot of people like that. In this offering, we should have used it to the poor and the needy. Meanwhile, he's sitting with the poor in his house, even in his family, and he's not caring. Or you've not seen it before. Hello? Who is having an uncle who is fabulously rich but yet wicked? <laughs> if you have an uncle who is fabulously rich but wicked and will not care for the needs of the family, then you understand. Not because he cares for the poor, but because he wants to enrich himself. So please, when we are giving offering, stop giving calculations. I've heard somebody say the church is having a lot of money in the banks sitting at head office and they are not using it. They should bring it out for us to take care of the poor. What are you doing? That doesn't mean that the church don't have such responsibility and we are doing it perfectly. In this area alone this year, we gave 17 scholarships to the poor and needy. We are doing our best. But what about you? Tell your brother or sister, stop the calculation and act. Tell him or her again. For the poor will always be with you. Even to all you know, the one who's sitting by you needs just a cloth. Eh? One GTP. And that will be enough. You are always sitting by the person and you don't care about the person. But you are caring about the offering that comes here. Uh, don't care for the offering that comes here. The one that comes here also has its part. The one sitting by you, care for him. Eh? Tell your brother sitting by you or your sister, care for me. Oh, tell him or her again. You should care for me. Since I came to this house, always see that I've been changing 
this. There is a deacon in second service. She's a, he's a designer. So in a way, I'm advertising for him. If you want to sew some, uh-huh. Deacon Frimpong, see him. Isn't it nice? He cares for me. <laughs> so you to care for your brother or sister and start reading mini and calculating offerings that comes here. It does a great job there. If you think I'm lying, ask my mom. She will tell you. And even the one there is not enough for them. <laughs> Hallelujah. So her sacrifice was an act of love and faith. It was also a sacrifice of commitment. It means that though Jesus, you are about dying, I'm still making my full commitment to you. Even death, I'm still committed to you. We have some people, they can only relate with you. But when it's time for trouble, they will run away. And such friends never make one. Hello? A friend is a friend in need, isn't it? That's what you, the Englishman, you say. A friend. Make a friend who can always be with you when you are in trouble. It's not when there is lajam to share. We have a lot of people like that. When Jesus was there and was feeding them, giving them food, hey, they were rallying around him. Hey, we'll make you a king. But when it was time for him to face the thing, they started running. Even Peter. <laughs> that is sad. Peter, who is the <laughs> high priest, fleed. He was not prepared to face the challenges that Jesus Christ was going through. Yes. I'm left five minutes. So we must be prepared to be committed to the cause of Jesus. We must be prepared. We must be prepared. Some of the lessons that we can learn from this is that to the house of Simon, they grabbed the opportunity to host the master into their life. Anytime you sense the need to be a blessing, to the church, do it. It might be an opportunity for you to invite the whole glory of God into your life. Anytime there is the need to sacrifice to help any man of God or to anybody at all, do it with all your heart as today we are coming to do. It may be an opportunity for an open door for you. You might be giving, always be giving offering, but there is a particular one that can open door unto you. 
there is. And for this woman, they took that opportunity to invite Jesus into their life. May you invite Christ into your life today. If you are here and Jesus is far away from you, I'm urging you, invite him into your life. Invite him into your house. Let him dine with you. And when he dines with you, you will be blessed. So it was a great opportunity to grab that thing. Also, it shows how precious they are. Jesus is to them. And because of what they did, the Bible says that Jesus also told the Pharisees that this lady's sins has been forgiven. The precious gift that I can get on this earth is that my sins should be forgiven. You can have all the wealth of this earth. You can have all the lajan. You can have all the position. But if your sins are not forgiven, you are doomed. But if your sins are forgiven, you attract favor. Somebody say favor. So this woman got that. Though they were condemning her of her past, but because she invited Jesus to the house and she knew, the family invited Jesus to the house and she knew what to do, she had forgiveness of her sins. Jesus said, your sins have been what? Forgiven. And the next benefit he had was, she had was that Jesus said, Anywhere the word of God will be preached, this woman will be remembered. May your sins be forgiven. And secondly, may you be remembered in the books of God. When you're, you are remembered in the mind of God. Ah, brother, sister, sleep. It means that you are in the hands of what? A, a, a very great man who is capable of protecting you. He will provide all your needs. He will shield you that no devil will be able to fight you. Also, it means that walking with Jesus, she had part of God in him. God's character. The character of our Lord Jesus, or if I will put it still, the divinity, God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is what? Love and what? Sacrifice. John 3, 16, there is a common quotation. The Bible said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have what? Everlasting life. So love the world that he did what? Gave. So if you are a Christian and you don't love, you can sacrifice. If you don't love, you can sacrifice. And if you are a Christian and you don't have the habit of sacrificing, giving, it means that you don't love. You don't have that character of God. Mary was having this character of God. In her, though the Pharisees were condemning her as a sinner, yet she had 
what this character of what love and also what giving. May you have this character more abundantly in your soul. And it's part of the fruit of the Holy Spirit, love. If you don't have it, you can't give. If you don't have it, I'm about ending the message. The next thing that I want to say in, in just a person is that it's not the quantum of what you offer. Tell your brother or sister, it's not the quantum. But it's how sincere your giving is. It's not the quantum. It's not how big you think that you have given. But it's how sincere your giving is. Some people give just for fame. Some people also give just because. <laughs> I wanted to say something, but I withheld it. <laughs> Hallelujah. You must give from a sincere heart. You don't give because you want a what? A return match. You are giving because you have that sincerity of heart. You have that nature of God in you to do what? To give. If I give and I don't get it back, Kelemai, all I need to do is that I must give. Have a sincere heart. Have that love of God to help the things of God. And if you are here and you are fond of giving money to places, sponsoring beauty pageants and those things, but in this house, it's like you've closed part of your eyes. God have mercy. And that giving is what we call the widow's might. Your widow's mind can be one billion. Your widow's mind can be ten CDs. Your widow's mind can be what? One CD. So far as it comes from a sincere heart, the good Lord will open the heavens on you. It's not a quantum. But giving out of what? A sincere heart. So don't tax some people that these people are the people who give. We don't have people who what? Who give. And we don't have people who don't give. We are all children of God and we must possess this character of the divinity. That is love and what? Sacrifice. Irrespective of what? The quantum. It must come from what? A sincere heart. But Please don't be Ananias and Sapphira. <laughs> Hello. You know that history. Don't give out of your surplus. <laughs> but give as an expression of your love to do what? To Christ. 
And we'll all read this quotation, then I, I end it. Let's read Matthew chapter 19, verse 15 to 22. Then I'll end my message. Please, Memra. Let's read. The title is that, The Rich Young Man. And let's see if really he has the love of God and the habits of sacrifice. He said, now, let's all read. Now a man came up to Jesus and asked, teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Underline it. What good thing must I do to do what? Jesus didn't ask him. He was asking Jesus, what good thing? At the Papa Ben, I mean, yeah. Let's go. Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, obey the commandment. Jesus' description. Let's go. Which ones? The man inquired. Jesus replied, do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimonies. Let's go. Honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. Let's go. All these I have kept. This is the response of the guy. All these I have kept. I'm not a murderer. I'm not a fornicator. I'm not a thief. I don't follow after men. I don't follow after women. I observe. <laughs> he said all this. After. The young man said, what do I still lack? Let's go. Jesus answered, if you want to be perfect, <laughs> go sell your possessions. And give it to the poor. And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. <laughs> this gentleman thought that, oh, by his standard and by the standard of the Pharisee, I don't fornicate, I don't murder, I don't steal, I don't do this thing. I obey my parents. I do everything. I'm observer of the law. For short. So he thought that by that boy, his perfection. But Jesus said, if you want to be perfect and enter into the kingdom of God, go and sell your possessions and give it to the poor. And then come and follow me. And sadly enough, when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Some Christians, that is how they are. Because of their great help, wealth, they are not able to follow Christ. They are not prepared to even sacrifice their own. But no, irrespective of how perfect you may think that you are, if you will be able to observe this second aspect too, you would have been more perfected. May the grace of God be upon us. Amen.